Thank you very much, Lee and Carol at the instruments and also Kim for stepping in um, and helping out with the song service and your part in it as well. Um, it takes everybody to make a song service go well and it indeed has. I'd like to have you take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Psalm 130. Psalm 130 is where we're going to begin today. You know, when I uh, am not sure just what I'm going to be preaching on, uh, typically I like being in a series and, and just going verse by verse or with a topical thing, uh, knowing where I will be with this transition. You know, I uh, completed the changing of the guard, which was important, and yet... Um, uh, I enjoy the Psalms, reading them and, and teaching them and, and preaching the Psalms. And so it's kind of a default setting for me, uh, not knowing just what to do next. Uh, to a Psalm I go, and Psalm 130 is where I go here this morning. Uh, entitled, My Hope is in the Lord. Uh, if you notice there in the uh, inscription of this psalm. It says it is a song of degrees. Uh, degree means elevation. Uh, the songs of degree started in Psalm 120 and go clear through to uh, 134, quite a few of them. And so what we have here is uh, songs of degree or elevation or a progression to a higher place, I guess you could say. Um, and they are believed to be songs that were sung by the Israelites, the Jewish pilgrims, as they were going up to Jerusalem for their annual feasts. Uh, there were three of those annual feasts that, that they had all to be there, all the men anyway, and, and typically it would have been the entire family. Um, that went, the Passover, the Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And yet there were seven annual feasts, and, and most likely many of the Jewish uh, pilgrims would go to all seven of those. But it is believed that that's what these were about. Won't it be nice to get to heaven and, and to hear uh, David uh, lead in some songs that they are used to and sung. We are used to the psalms as we see them, but uh, basically we see them as, as individual songs just in writing form, not in the music form. And, and, um, and yet uh, I'm looking forward to that because these are songs, and, and what we find here is a song of degree. As we come to Psalm 130, it's a short psalm, it has three dynamics that I would like to point out to us today um, that kind of jump out off the page to me anyway. And first of all, it's man's predicament. Uh, secondly, it is God's provision. And third, hope's progression. Hence the title, My Hope is in the Lord. Let me read Psalm 130. Uh, to us as we get underway here today. So follow along as I read, uh, starting in verse 1. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, 
Shouldst mark iniquity? O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait. In his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Father, we thank you for the truths of this psalm. Truly, we find ourselves oftentimes in various predicaments. And yet, I pray, Father, that we would always look to you and be able to see your provisions that you have made for us and find our way out of of the circumstances that so often we find ourselves in. Thank you for uh, your word, Father, for the truths that it contains, the promises that are ours to claim for time and eternity. Thank you for this opportunity to gather here in your house, Father, with your people together as a church, Father, to lift our thoughts and our our meditations to you and uh, to allow you to have your rightful place, Father. I pray that each one of us would be able to set aside the cares and concerns that might distract us from these truths here today. And that, Father, uh, we would allow you to speak to our hearts and our lives and that as we do that, Father, uh, we indeed will be able to leave saying it's been good to be in God's house. Where there's need of change, Father, I pray that you would enact it. Uh, Where there might be someone here that knows not Christ as Savior, may you prick them in their heart with the truth of the gospel. For the believer that may be uh, out of fellowship with you, may you speak to our need as well, Father, and help us. Help us each one to just uh, rejoice together in that which you have provided for us, and we'll be sure to thank you for it, pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, we're going to take a look here at man's predicament. Uh, A predicament, uh, you know what a predicament is, predicament. Uh, It's an unpleasant or a difficult or perplexing or even could be dangerous situation that we might find ourselves into. And certainly we see the psalmist here in a predicament. Uh, Out of the depths... uh, the predicament that he finds himself in, uh, he describes as out of the depths. And as we have read this psalm, we almost see, first of all, that it is referring to out of the depths of sin because of what we see in verse 3, if thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? And he talks about the Lord's forgiveness, verse 4, but there is forgiveness with thee. So we realize that He's talking about out of the depths of sin, for which there is a cure. But I tell you what, I I imagine that most of us here could identify realizing uh, that you can get yourselves in a predicament with sin in your life as a believer. Turn with me to Psalm uh, 38, if you would. I'm going to keep this in the Psalms this morning, so you don't have to go very far from our text, but we're going to be doing a lot of bouncing back and forth, so limber up your fingers and and get everything ready to to go here. Um, 
As, in we, as we see, first of all, in, in Psalm 38, notice, starting in verse uh, 1, this is one of, of David's uh, psalms uh, when he was out of fellowship. Uh, a psalm, this is the third of seven penitential psalms where David pours out his heart uh, from the sin that he lived in for nine months it was, and who knows what else, um, because uh, even the best of men are just men of best. But notice starting in verse 1 of Psalm 38, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. O the heavy hand of God that comes down upon uh, the out-of-fellowship believer. Um, it's not a fun place to be. In fact, I think you could certainly say uh, you're in a predicament when you have unconfessed sin in your life as a believer. And, of course, as we see the psalmist here describing it, he says in verse 3, There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. We see that it affects a person physically, unconfessed sin, if, if going on without uh, dealing with it properly, it affects us uh, not just physically, but emotionally. Verse 4, for mine iniquities are gone over my head, and heavy burden, are they too heavy for me? My wounds stink, and they are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. Verse 6, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, and I think I don't need to go any further, but we can certainly see that, that um, there is a predicament of sin, I believe, that is being referred to in our psalm here. Uh, Out of the depths I have cried unto thee, O Lord. And, of course, we realize Psalm 34 is a psalm of David. These psalms, songs of degree, ascent, uh, you know, they're not inscribed to any particular person. Uh, could be David, might be someone else. But I think even as we think of David, a, a man who is described and has the epithet upon his life as a man after my own heart, uh, who followed me in, in all his ways except in the matter of Uriah, it says. That's God's epithet upon David. And, of course, that matter has to do with Bathsheba and the sin that he committed, the adultery he committed with her, and then ultimately having her husband put to death or put out to the battlefront so he would die and uh, that matter. And, of course, he was out of fellowship for a good long while, and I'm sure that Psalm 38 and these other penitential psalms came out of that period of his life. Um, and um, so we realize, or at least out of that experience that he had, they may not have been written at that time, but out of that experience, we see that these psalms and... and um, and there is certainly a predicament that man can find himself in, even God's people, because, in fact, I would uh, say that this directly applies to God's people. Um, you know, the, the unbeliever is lost in his sins, and he doesn't know any better. The believer who's out of fellowship with God is, is the most miserable person in the greatest predicament uh, of a, any, because they know better. The worldling doesn't know any better. That's just kind of how life is to be living in sin. And yet God's people know better. And so uh, the predicament is even a little 
uh, worse with regards to those who know Christ as Savior and yet have unconfessed sin in their life. Uh, this psalm here in 130, it seems to me, as I read through it, as we looked at it together here, uh, is primarily talking about sin. But I don't think you can limit it to just sin because we realize that life has plenty of predicaments uh, with just trials. The trials that God allows into our life. Uh, for example, if you would... Uh, turn with me to Psalm 116. Back just a little bit. Psalm 116. I find myself uh, reading Psalm 116 often when I go make a hospital call. And it has been an entire year that I've not made a hospital call. Can you imagine? They won't even let me in the hospital nowadays. Nor have I been able to go in and, and visit in the vet's home or in, well, I've in and out of the beehive uh, several times as we're kind of uh, trying to see if, if possibly we can get to Howard and Verla into the beehive, and I, I see Norma over there, and, um, but the only reason they let me in is, is because we're working on that situation over there. But I often turn to Psalm 116. If you're there, follow along as I read, starting in verse 1. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Uh, David has a, uh, he has experience. He refers to it in the past. He has a present commitment that he will call upon the Lord. And he has committed himself to future uh, here in those two verses. But notice what he goes on to say in verse 3. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Uh, we don't know just exactly what that might be, but I believe what we have here is some of the, the trials, a predicament of trials of life that David went through. He went through a lot, and, and thankfully God has recorded that for us here in his word as an example for us to follow in, in those trials. Uh, but notice it says in verse 4, then, then called I upon the name of the Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. He was brought low, the predicament of trials, uh, the Sorrows of death, the pains of hell, whatever he's talking about here, the trouble and sorrow that he saw, he sought the Lord, and the Lord uh, helped him. And then he declares in verse 7, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. I don't think probably the circumstances had changed. He probably was still in the same predicament that he was in. But he had lifted his heart to the Lord and, and his faith to him and, and, and claimed that promise and the Lord helped him right where he was at. And of course we realize that uh, you can still be in a predicament of trials that God has allowed into our life and we can soar right into the presence of God uh, by faith and by just standing upon his promises and, and believing what he has told us to be true. So we see here, I got to go back up to uh, Psalm 34 as well. Uh, as we think of this predicament of not just sin, but of, of trials in Psalm 34. 
verse 8 is, is one of my favorites. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Psalm 34, 8. Have you tasted to see that the Lord is good? You got to taste, kind of like the kid that doesn't like spinach, you know. Uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Taste it and see. Uh, maybe you think the Lord is not good. Well, taste and see that he is good. Um, but that's not what I'm looking at here. What I would like to consider is starting in verse 15 of this, where it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Oh, listen, the one who has humbled himself before the Lord is the one that the God of heaven uh, will stoop right down into their lives and uh, answer prayers. Verse 19 is kind of where I was going all along here. Uh, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know, the trials that God allows into our lives, we should not be taken back when it happens. It doesn't mean we're living in sin. You know if you're living in sin because you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you and he'll be quick to convince you or convict you of your sins to point out to you that you're doing wrong. And, And the solution to that is to, as a believer, is to confess that sin. Apply the truth of 1 John 1, 9. But God allows trials, and we need to keep that in mind, and, and he allows us to go through many afflictions in this life because this, uh, this life is, uh, you know, the prince and power of the air is, is working overtime. Uh, he has personal ambitions to, to God's people. He has collective ambitions uh, as a church. He would like to see a church, uh, cause a church to veer off course. He has national interests. And uh, he's working overtime in our nation to cause us to leave our moorings that we have, that biblical foundation that this country was built upon. And, um, and yet the trials that he allows into our life doesn't mean necessarily that, that there's sin. It's, Christ says, uh, uh, in this world you shall have tribulations. But be of good cheer, he says, for I have overcome the world. And so we see that Man's predicament might be sin. You'll know it if it is. Find the solution to that. But man's predicament might be just trials that we find ourselves in, as we see here. Let's go back to our uh, Psalm 130, and let's continue on by looking at God's provision uh, out of his deliverance. God's provision, his providing or supplying what we need, arrangements that have been made beforehand to meet our need. Uh, You know, Old Testament believers look forward to the coming of Christ. It was pictured by the animal sacrifice, by the shedding of blood, and it took the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. And yet with that worship in the tabernacle and then in the temple, Uh, It required a a constant uh, yearly for the nation on the Day of Atonement and then a a regular uh, for the individual believer to come and and to uh, make his 
sin offerings and his trespass offerings where blood was shed and, and it took care of their sins. But uh, God has provided. We look back to that event when, when the, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world, we look back on that and uh, we can see uh, his provisions based upon that. And of course, this psalm, Psalm 130, just kind of skims across the top of, of a few. There are so many, but we wouldn't get through them all. We, we, as we think of God's provision for us out of his deliverance that he has arranged ahead of time, beforehand, for us to, to enjoy uh, these things, um, it, it, it takes till he comes. I mean, we're never done looking at those those things but what we do see here in this little psalm he says his forgiveness uh, he said verse 3 if thou lord shouldst mark iniquities O lord who should stand uh, but <laughs> he says thankfully there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared there is forgiveness with thee uh, that means that even though we're guilty, we're sinners. And of course, once we come into a right relationship, once we've been reconciled with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we still all too often are prone to wander, and we still all too often find ourselves in the predicament of sin. And uh, as we yield to what Satan would have us to do. But my friends, when, when we come to the Lord as a believer, the Old Testament saint brought his trespass offering and his sin offering we apply the truth of first john 1 9 you know so well and it ought to be a, a regular part of our uh, life as we claim that promise that if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness the forgiveness of god means that the charges against the guilty sinner we are guilty and yet those charges are removed uh, we are released from the condemnation of those sins. He, let, he, we, he lets go the charges. And of course we realize it says, as it says over into the New Testament. That uh, just as we've been forgiven. Uh, we need to forgive ourselves, others. If you hold a grudge as a believer. Uh, you're out of fellowship. And uh, we, f we forgive those who are debtors like the Lord forgives our debts or our sins, if you please. Uh, Psalm 103 um, and verse 12, you probably don't need to turn there. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And my friends, there is no meeting of the east and the west. So I think what he's saying as he uses that description uh, is that Eternity, they're gone. It talks about how he buries them in the depth of the sea over in Isaiah. And how he remembers our sin no more. It doesn't mean that uh, he's getting forgetful, kind of like I am as you get older. No, it just means that he will never bring them up again. Those sins that are under the blood, and of course it's a positional thing when we trust Christ as Savior. Because you're part of the family. If you die and you have unconfessed sin in your life, it's not like you're going to have to pay for those sins. No, you'll probably hang your head in shame before him as you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But all oh, it'll be to be entered into the glories of heaven. 
Uh, but it, you'll be miserable here. You'll be in this predicament that the psalmist is talking about of sin. But he forgives us of our sin. The, the uh, guilt, the charges against us are removed. Over in verse 7, uh, we see that there's more than just forgiveness. There is his mercy that is referred to. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. Um, this is another one of God's provisions. Uh, that he is merciful. Uh, and of course mercy and grace and love and goodness. And, and all of these attributes of God are kind of hard to distinguish one from another. But a good way that I've always said to distinguish grace and mercy Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, for by grace are you saved through faith. We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve heaven. We are sinners. We are guilty. And yet God, out of his love, has provided through his grace that we can be saved. And his mercy, then, on the other hand, is not giving us what we do deserve. Like he said there in, in verse 4, if Thou, Lords, or verse 3, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who should stand? None of us would stand because we're all guilty. And yet there is forgiveness. There is his mercy. Uh, Psalm 136 reminds us, if you go over there, I'm not going to read it all, but it reminds us 26 times in the 26 verses we see of it, that God's mercy endureth forever. Let me just read a couple of verses. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, verse 1. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. And it goes down to the conclusion of each of these verses uh, ends with his mercy endureth forever. My friends, we need to be reminded and we need to give thanks for his mercy because it is part of his provision uh, that he does not give us what we deserve. He forgives us of our sin. And in his grace, he provides eternal life and, and the blessings that we enjoy as part of the family of God. But another thing that we see here also is uh, his redemption. Uh, as we look at these uh, things that Psalm 130 speaks of as far as God's uh, provision. In verse 7, it says of Psalm 130, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. Redemption is one of the, I guess, theological terms that are used to, to describe what we receive at the time of salvation. There's many of them. Uh, propitiation, redemption, um, sanctification, and, and on down the list. And each one of them have, has a different aspect with regards to the provision of God. And redemption means to purchase out of the slave market that we are born into as sinners. We are born in sin to purchase us out of that slave market of sin, and then to set us free from its bondage and the, the slave that 
Satan had us to, to purchase out of and to set free from the bondage and the burden of Satan and sin. And, of course, the payment price, you know, is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not bought with um, gold and silver, but with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what it is talking about here, the redemption. Um, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We've been redeemed. I hope you have. If you know Christ as your Savior, uh, you've been purchased out of that slave market of sin. You don't have to serve sin anymore. When you do, as we all so often are prone to wonder, it's just because we've made a deliberate choice. We don't have to do that. We've been set free from it. We've been purchased out of that slave market, and we've been set free from it. That's part of God's provision out of his deliverance that he has given us from the predicament that we find ourselves in, whether it be from sin or whether it be from trials. So we see there that um, these two dynamics, man's predicament, God's provision. Uh, Let me go on here as we conclude to hope's progression. Uh, That advancement, I guess you could say, uh, from uh, out of the depths uh, into the divine, Uh, the hope's progression, there is a progression that we see going on here in Psalm Psalm 130 and verse 1, it says, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. There's the first uh, step of this progression. I cried unto thee uh, to get your focus back on the Lord and to realize wherein lies your help, to, to look to the Lord. I cried, he says, unto thee. Over in Psalm 34, uh, notice what we see in Psalm 34, verses 4 through 6, with regards to this turning of our attention to the Lord. Psalm 34 Uh, Starting in verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of his trouble. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. And delivereth them. And in that verse that I've already brought out. Oh taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. But you see the psalmist looked to the Lord. He sought the Lord. He cried out to him. And he delivered him. He uh, cried and the Lord saved him out of his trouble. So Hope's progression, first of all, he says, I cried. He focused his attention upon the Lord and he called out for help. Sometimes we get to that place where we just look to the Lord and we we call upon him to to help us and to, to give us what we need to get through the predicament that we might be in. So we see, first of all, he, uh, this progression, this advancement from The depths to the divine starts with, I cried, but then notice in verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. We see, secondly, 
in this progression. I wait. I wait. You know, we uh, tend to grow short of patience, don't we? And yet patience is a vital aspect. So we are told over and again in our Christian life, the New Testament is filled with uh, the importance of patience in our Christian walk and journey. Turn back with me to Psalm 62, where we uh, get a glimpse of this. Psalm 62. In verse 1 and 2, Psalm 62, 1, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. You see the, the waiting there, and yet the anticipation of that waiting. I'm looking for the Lord and my salvation, my deliverance. He only is my rock, verse 2, and my salvation. He is my defense, I shall not be greatly moved. And of course, that's just expressing uh, the anticipation of what the psalmist knew the Lord would do. Um, I wait upon him. Psalm 37, uh, let's go back just a, a, a little here in Psalm 37. Uh, Psalm 37 I refer to often because we see in Psalm 37 the the right way compared to the wrong way to deal with the injustices of life that we have no control over. There's so much that goes on that is just not fair. You know, you've heard that. Well, it's not fair. Um, that uh, we see both the right way and the wrong way to deal with it. And I've been through that uh, in verses 1 through 7. But it gets down to the tail end. Of, and both of them are progressions starts small, but it grows. The, the wrong way uh, it involves fretting, verse 1. And fretting or being upset uh, leads to envy against the workers of iniquity. The right way starts with verse 3, trust and, and do good. Verse 4, to delight. Verse 5, to commit and trust. But you get down to the tail end of the, the right way. In verse 7 it says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Every one of these things that we are to do, the, the progression of the right thing to do, is a verb. And yet here we have verbs that require no action. Uh, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Um, we need to be able to just wait upon God and, and let him uh, work the things in our lives that he's up to. We don't have a clue what he's up to, and so we just need to wait upon the Lord. Hope's progression, first of all, I cried. Secondly, I wait, the psalmist said in our psalm. What does it say over in Isaiah chapter 40 with regards to waiting? I will have to go there. Uh, I said I was going to stay in the psalms, but... Um, you don't have to go over there with me. In Psalm, uh, or excuse me, Isaiah 40, starting in verse 28, it says, "Thou Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. And of course, uh, the prophet Isaiah is, is trying to impress upon 
the hearts of the Israelites who had small thoughts of their God, just who it is that they had small thoughts of. Um, verse 29, he giveth power to the faint, to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And my friends, those that wait upon the Lord will be strengthened. And of course, the older you get, the more you realize we, we do quite a bit of waiting upon the Lord. And uh, our physical strength might not be what it used to be, but we can go in the strength of the Lord as we wait upon him uh, and realize that you know, in our own physical strength, we'll fail. But we need to, first of all, turn our focus to the Lord, and then we wait upon him. We cry, we wait, back to our text, and also in verse 5 where we see him declaring that I wait. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul uh, doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Out of this psalm, this is the third step in this progression, hope's progression. I cried, you turn your focus, I wait. That deals with the facts. You're able to wait because you know God, because you know how he operates, because you know his promises. And then I hope kind of tends to deal with our faith. Are we going to believe what God tells us is that he will do? Or are we going to just rush right on and uh, try to fix it ourselves? Uh, Israel's hope, our hope, is not like the world's hope. Paul describes our hope in, in uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20 where he says, My hope is my earnest expectation. It is my firm expectation. And he says over in Hebrews that it is the anchor of our soul and it is based upon the fact that God cannot lie and that he has made a promise to us and that God keeps his promises. Our hope is based upon God's faithfulness. He will do exactly what he says he will do. You can depend upon it. If he's promised that he'll deliver us, you can count on the fact that he will deliver us out of whatever predicament we might find ourselves in. We just have to, first of all, do what he asks us to do, to call out to him. If it's sin's predicament that we are dealing with, then we know what to do, 1 John 1, 9. And he will do his part. He's promised he will. If we confess, he will he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If it is uh, the predicament of trials, you call upon him, you wait for him to work it out in your life, and you hope, you have that earnest expectation that God's going to step in, and God is step in. He's there. He's always there. He will work out whatever it is in our life uh, he will help us to understand and to know. And, of course, he says here, uh, in his word do I hope. It's in his word that we find who God is. 
It's in his word that we find out how he has dealt with his people in times past. It is in his word how we find out what he has done to provide our deliverance through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the things that we have because of that when we place our faith and trust in him. It is in his word that we see those exceeding great, Peter says, and precious promises whereby we are able to uh, do that which he has asked us to do. But we got to wait and we got to hope. And my friends, we realize that um, here out of this psalm, we find that our hope um, is in the Lord. And we're in pretty good hands, in the Lord's hands. Um, if you find yourself in a predicament, uh, just turn your focus upon God, call out to him, cry out to him, and it'll take you from the, the depths to the divine into his presence as you then wait and hope. And he will uh, work in your heart and your life to his honor and glory. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for this psalm and pray that you would work in our lives father to realize that that our hope is in you that we might see the progression that needs to be as we look to you our focus and stand firmly upon those facts which will allow us to wait and then just by faith to to believe you you'll do what you've told us you'll do uh, to hope uh, and to find our earnest expectation in those promises that you have given unto us. Thank you so much, Father, for this time together. Thank you for your work in our hearts and lives. Bless us as we close now and, and uh, leave that you would have your way in our hearts and lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.